So what I thought we would do is start with talking about what it looks like to have, uh, to be a prophet or have the gift of prophet, because that's sort of like the smaller category. Then we're going to talk extensively about the gift of prophecy. So I figure we'll get the, the big one out of the way. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I was growing up, I was like, I had no idea what a prophet really was. And up until recently, I still didn't exactly know. And, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, the office of a prophet, which is like a term we use in church circles. And so, welcome. So I think for me, for a really long time, I was convinced that the office of a prophet was like the highest level of prophecy. So like if I'm a level three prophecy person, then when I get to five, they're right back here. Uh, you know, like when I get to five, then I'm like a prophet. That's how my mind somehow understood it. But it's entirely something different. So uh, this may be news to you. It was news to me when the Lord brought us into this understanding a couple years ago. But essentially, when Jesus was on the Mount of Ascension, right, he's about to go into heaven for good. And he's telling everybody the Great Commission. And he's saying, it's better for me to go. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then he releases the fivefold ministry in that moment, right, in Ephesians 3. And so what he does is, prior to that point, he was the embodiment of all five of the fivefold ministry. And then he dispersed himself into multiple people so that now we don't just have one person who is the reflection of God. The reflection of God is found in a collective of people, right? So when he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, shepherds, teachers, etc., what he was doing was giving the gift of prophet, giving the gift of apostle, right? But what's interesting is the gift of prophecy is a gift that actually is given to us from the Holy Spirit. So it's two completely different giftings. There's a whole bunch of overlap, but they're two completely different giftings. And I think that's really interesting because Father God gave you your life. He created you. He gave you your personality. Jesus gives you a part of himself in whatever fivefold ministry bent that he has given to you. And the Holy Spirit gives you a part of himself through the giftings. And I don't know. I just think that's really cool. We're made in his image in that way. So if you are like a prophet, then that's a completely different category than what we see as prophecy right? So in my mind, I'm like, oh, so the hierarchy I was operating under is completely bunked. Like they're almost two totally different gifts. They just have the same name. So hopefully tonight we'll get to clarify some of that kind of stuff. So what does it look like to be a fivefold minister? Well, it's our personal conviction that every person has a measure of a fivefold gifting. It could be one of the five, apostle, prophet, shepherd, evangelist, teacher, right? We all have a little bit of something, but I think what I want us to catch tonight is that you have a little bit of something, one of those five, but then you have a place where that gifting goes to. So it's not universal. It's sort of like you've been given a gifting and then you've been given a lane to which to use that gifting. Does that make sense? So for the sake of tonight, we're talking about what a prophet is. So I want us to start thinking about the gift of being a prophet or the gift of prophecy in terms of like measurements, okay? So I brought with you guys my um, protein powder canister because right now we're doing a 30 days healthy thing, which is so fun. Um, <laughs> it actually is. I think we've only cheated on like two, two meals, so we're not, not too bad. But um, I realized I spelled protein wrong and then my labeler ran out. So that was really cool. So for the last two weeks, I've had protein spelled wrong on my protein powder can. So we'll just turn it that way so that you can't see it. But basically, in this canister, right, is my protein powder. And so I have this little scoop. It's a measure right? If we use too little, it tastes gross. If we use too much, it doesn't mix. So the right measurement is super important to making your shake. Are you guys tracking with me? So when we're talking about the gifts that we have in our lives, the measure that you've been given is really, really important. Some of us have been given a measure that's like this, and it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. Some of us have been given a measure that's a little bit bigger. Some of us have a bigger one. It's not, a, it's not like a matter of whether you're favored or more loved, depending on what measure you have. It actually has much to do with your assignment that God has given you, right? So we're not looking to each other and being like, oh, wow, you have more than me, so I, I'm not as great of a person. That's like a completely wrong level of thinking. But if we can identify what our measurement is, then we're like already set up to go farther in our gifting. So you get what your measure is, and then you need to know what you're measuring for, right? So if in the context of being a prophet, there are lots of different types of prophets. There's lots of different callings for prophets that are all really significant. You can have a measure of being a prophet and be called to like the arts and entertainment world. And that's where your gifting goes. That's where it's used best. You can have that and be called to the church. 
You can have that and be called to a business or to your family. And I think when we get into thinking that being a prophet is only what you do in the context of church, then we've limited who God is and how he wants to express himself, right? Because the fivefold ministry was given, Jesus tells us, to equip the saints, to build up people. And we all know not everybody is supposed to be working in a church or supposed to be giving, you know, we're all supposed to be going to church, but that doesn't have to be our sole life. So what does that look like on a super practical level? So most of you guys know Grant owns a business. He owns Chamberlain Realty. So what's, I was thinking about how do I explain this to you, and I realized to Chamberlain Realty, at least between Grant and I, I have a measure of being a prophet to this business. It's part of how God has called us together. So Grant has an apostolic anointing. He has an evangelistic anointing. And in the business, that looks like being an entrepreneur, paving the way with new things, and then gathering people to that, right? And so then God has given me a, a measure. It's probably the scoop size. So I'm not saying it's that big. But he's given me a measure to speak into the business from the place of, like, a prophet. So we'll be having conversations about the business at times, and it's like, I'll just go, oh, my gosh, this is the word of the Lord. This is what you need to do. And he thinks about it and he's like, yep, you're right. And we do that and things change or things grow and it's really cool. I'm not saying that's like all me. I'm saying that's an example, right? So we can do that with our family. We can have a measure of what it looks like to be a prophet in the context of your nuclear family. So how does that play out? That plays out in being able to sense or see or feel or hear, however you discern the Lord's voice, what the direction of your family is supposed to be right? What is God doing in you in this time? So what I'm hoping to do is help you understand some of you might be prophets and have be looking at it in this direction when really your assignment is over here and there's a whole avenue of ministry and opportunity if you're really clear about what lane you get in. Does that make sense? So again, your lane can be everything from family, education, arts, and media, you know, like creativity, stuff like that, business, um, church, and so on. Just because you're like a prophet called to the church does not mean you can be a prophet to every other category and vice versa. So staying in your lane is super important. So we've all been given a measure of that. Again, the office of a prophet or like the, the, the word, the office of the prophet is really the word they picked to say the people who were called to be a prophet to the church, right? It's not really a biblical term in terms of like this is like the office you sit in. It's more of like a way to distinguish, okay, so that's what I'm called to. I'm called to the church and the church concept, the people of God in the church. But we, I, this is a total tangent, but we have to make sure we're living out the reality that the whole world does not exist inside the church, right? All of our giftings are not designed to only go into the four walls of the church. They're actually designed to the world at large. Okay, um, there are different types of prophets, not just the lane that you're staying in, not just the measure you have, but there's actually different types of prophets. So there's prophets that are like what we would call blessing prophets. And these are the ones like Nick Goff, if you guys were here in March, who they just can give you word after word after word after word. They can just have a whole room filled with people. And I think uh, Nick's wife was telling me he had five straight hours recently where he prophesied over person after person. And I think he had like a 98% accuracy rate that night. Five hours of blessing people with what God thinks and feels about them, right? That's a certain kind of prophet. That's a measure that's really unique. People who, uh, you can be a prophet and not do that, right? You can be a prophet and not be gifted in that way. Like Graham Cook, we had a crazy encounter with him several years ago. We had lunch with him and he was, we were talking about, do you give people prophetic words like that? And he said, I'm not a blessing prophet. I'm a building prophet. He said, you don't want me to be the person to go down and, and bless everybody because I'm not good at it. My words are not accurate. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, like marveling at, number one, his self-awareness, right, his ability to discern what his gifting is, and number two, his ability to be, like, humble in that, you know? So a building prophet is someone who comes into an organization or a church or whatnot and is able to see this is where we need to go and this is what you need to get that, right? So if we're trying to accomplish something in a church setting, a building prophet is someone who can come in and be like, okay, we need to focus on identity, or we need to focus on understanding worship or et cetera. And when you get that, something will unlock for you and you'll go to the next place. Same with in a business. Like a lot of what happens in Grant and I's dynamic with his job is really that. It's like, okay, the Lord's showing me something about a foundational thing that maybe you haven't seen because it's a different gifting. You guys tracking with me? You can be a blessing prophet, a building prophet. prophet. One of the other ones I wanted to mention is a times and seasons prophet. 
These are people who like interpret what's going on in the now. They're the ones who interpret like this is the season that we're moving into. Like uh, if you've seen the prophetic words that have been going on over the last year over our nation and the cleansing that God is doing in the body of Christ and all those type of words, that's like a times and seasons prophet who's saying, so you don't want a, a building prophet telling you all the time what the time, you know what I'm saying? You got to stay in your lane. You got to know what you are. But I'm telling you all of that because I want you guys to see how much variety can be in this one gifting. So we have to help ourselves by not pigeonholing what the idea of a prophet really is, right? There's probably someone in your life that you know that you look up to that you're like, wow, this person is a prophet and I really respect them. And it's helpful to recognize they have a unique gifting, a unique lane, and a unique measure that goes into that. And you may be a prophet with a completely different makeup. Does that make sense? All right. We're flying through. This is a lot of info. And I hope this is helpful for you. I want to give you a couple of other things that are sort of like how prophets are, how they operate, like what they're like as people. Jeremiah tells us that uh, when God gives that word to him, before I knew you, before you were in your, when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, right? Before you were born, I knew you, I called you, I set you apart. And I do think it's, it's a thing where a lot of times people who are prophets in this category are people who are sort of set apart like by birth. But here's what that means. I don't know if there's some crazy stories out there of people who were born under like the most unique circumstances. Like William Branham was, Branham was this guy in the 50s, Grant, is that right? And uh, he was born in, like, his mother was very, very poor. He was born in this shack. And when he was born, this, like, orb of light came in the room. And there was this whole angelic visitation encounter, kind of like Jesus being born, like, type thing, you know. Not quite that dramatic. But there was all this stuff. And you hear these stories of people who were born that are prophets that have these crazy stories. It doesn't have to be that. I love how Sean Bull says, I was not born under the sign with the Star of David tattooed on my butt. He was like, I'm just a regular person. But there's something about when you are called like this that is something unique from birth. And if you go back and look through your history, you can kind of begin to see, oh, there were signs in my life that were happening even as a child. And this is the way I like to articulate it. All of us have like an invisible antenna running off our backs that, that is attuned to like the spiritual world. Right? And so for prophets, it seems to be that our antenna is like crammed in the on position. That's just kind of how it is. You can, a lot of people can turn it on and off. They go into certain settings and like, wow, I feel really spiritually sensitive. And then other times they're like completely oblivious. But there are some who God has just hardwired them in a way where it's jammed into the on position. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. Um, okay, a couple other things. Again, they're typically spiritually sensitive people, although not always. Um, Okay, here's another defining characteristic. How do you know if you're a prophet? Prophets typically live out the words that they give. The gift of prophecy is more giving a prophetic word that you can be detached from. Does that make sense? So here's a great example, Hosea in the Bible. God makes Hosea marry a prostitute and have all these children that they name these crazy names, and he lives out the word of the Lord on display for all the people, right? Jeremiah is the same thing. You know, he has these crazy experiences where he becomes the word. He's not just giving the word, he's actually embodying the word. And I heard Chris Vallotton say this for the first time several years ago, maybe eight years ago, where he was making this distinction. And I remember having this huge aha moment, even for my life, of like, oh my gosh, I, I resonate with that. There's been times where it's like, I wish God would just say, you can talk about this, but I can't talk about it until I've lived it for several years right? Which is not always fun and exciting, but it's really much more powerful when, when they give those words because there's so much authority behind it because they have now embodied it. Does that make sense? Um, all right. A prophetic, a prophet gifting, I don't want to say prophetic gifting, a prophet gifting typically is a leadership gifting. Not always, but it typically is. That's different than the gift of prophecy. Um, and then here's a great one. Not everyone uh, is a prophet, but there's a lot more prophets than you think. And the Lord was reminding me of that story um, with Elijah, right, where he's like having this panic attack, this constant panic attack because he's going up against Jezebel and he thinks he's completely alone. And then he finds out there's 400 people just like him, prophets, hiding in a cave. And I don't know, I was like, I think we have to use our imagination to imagine how it would feel to think you're the last one and then to find out you're one of a multitude. 
right? And, that, and then I'm like, I'm sure he felt like he must be the best one of the group because he was the only one out here. And prophets are a little strange and unique people at times. And so I can only imagine the emotional turmoil of like, I'm not alone. Great. Oh, no. I, I actually maybe want to go back and think I'm alone because now I can really, you know what I'm saying? So you're not alone. Even if you are in your season feeling like I'm completely alone, there's no one like me, you're not. You just need to walk around the corner a little bit and find out they're all huddling together, hiding in a little cave. Um, And with that, I think it's important for us to note, if you're listening to all this list and you're going, okay, I resonate with this. I think I might be a prophet. Then from this point forward, you can't live life alone. Prophets need two types of people with them. They need other prophets because then you know you're not insane. (laughs) And then you need people who are not prophets to remind you what humanity is right? You got to have both. You need people who resonate and, you know, you're like, wow, like this happened to me the other day. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of emotion from circumstantial things, but I'm also dealing with a lot of things that are going on in the spirit. And I was like having this like, <laughs> like kind of day all weekend. And Grant's like, you're fine. You're really fine. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine, right? I need that balance. And then I come to church and I talk to my friends, you guys who go through this too, and you all are like, oh, I was in it too. And I'm like, oh, thank God, it's not just me, right? So you have to have both. So from this point forward, if you're listening to this and you're like, yes, this is me, now you know you cannot be alone. You can't keep it inside. So one last thing about what it means to be a prophet. It's not at all prophet versus prophetic, right? It's one God. It's two expressions of sort of the same thing from them, which I think is part of why it's so murky. And we're going to really find the murkiness when we start talking about what prophetic is in a second. But I think it's important for us to remember it's not any more special to be gifted as a prophet versus gifted prophetically with the Holy Spirit's gifting. It's just, again, go back to your little scoop or your big cup, whatever God has given you, be faithful to tend to that. One last story on that. Um, When we had that lunch with Graham Cook, I was saying to him, we were talking about my life and I was sort of emotionally vomiting on him and just asking for help, which was a really fantastic experience. And uh, at the end of it all, you know, he looked at me and he said, Rachel, because I had three little kids. Jack was like two months old at the time. He's eight. He's seven now. So he looked at me and he said, right now in the season that you're in, your anointing is tailored to only impact one and two people at a time. And I was like, well, isn't that a great word from the Lord, right? Like, thanks a lot. And this is what I was genuinely thinking. I'm like, okay. And I thought he was going to be like, you're anointing his whatever. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, look at your life. And we're sitting at my table. My kids are all being squirrely all over him and stuff. And, and he's like, look at your life. This is how your anointing is tailored. And he said, as you're faithful to that and as your kids grow, the Lord will grow your anointing to like fives and tens. And I was like, Wow. We're exponentially getting there, right? So now I might be able to lead a small group. Cool. And, uh, and he was like, and if you're faithful to that, he might take you to 10s and 15s. And he stopped there. And I was like, fantastic. So I'm not going to interpret that as a word from the Lord that that's like the cap, you know. But I thought it was so interesting to think about what does it look like if we're really diligent to own our measurement now? And to tend it really well, to not be eyeing the bigger amount, right? To not be frustrated with ourselves that we have a tiny scoop and we can only make one shake at a time versus having a big cup where we can feed everybody. If we're diligent to tend the little bit that we have, God will grow that if that's what you're wanting him to do. Okay, deep breaths, a lot of information about that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take like a two-minute brain break, and I want you to share with somebody next to you. So, you know, hopefully I think everybody's next to someone and remotely likes who they're sitting next to at some level. Um, I want you to share one thing that stands out to you about what it means to be a prophet. All right. So we're going to take like two minutes, rest your brain, share that. All right. So I know I'm shooting a fire hydrant at you. So I wanted to give you guys time to like soak it in, you know, third party learning. If you know anything about that, you say what you're learning helps you remember all that kind of stuff. All right, so let's talk about the gift of prophecy and some of the uniqueness to that, okay? So on your little um, handouts, which you can look at later, there's so much more information about the gift of prophecy than what I'm going to share. I wanted to do the distinction like this because I want you guys to be able to see sort of what is working, when it's working, 
and for whatever it's worth so that you kind of know how to own what God has given you. It's not really about having a title or being able to say, you know, like it doesn't make any difference whether we say, in my gifting from Jesus as a prophet, I'm giving this word to you versus, you know, the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? It's all the same in God's world. But I think for us, it's kind of helpful to know what are we contending for? What are we looking for? How do we grow ourselves? So what actually is prophecy? right? The prophecy in the most basic manner is hearing God for someone else. It's really the most basic level understanding that we can explain it. It's just hearing God for someone else. Prophecy comes from the Holy Spirit, right? It comes out of you from the Holy Spirit in you. Um, It is in the Bible, we do see that there's moments where, you know, like Saul, who is the king of Israel, and he's even in such a terrible place emotionally and mentally, but he gets around other people who are prophesying, and all of a sudden he starts prophesying because something external from the anointing comes on him, and he just kind of loses his self, you know? That can happen too, but when we're talking about the gift of prophecy, we're talking about how the Holy Spirit moves in and then through you, out of you. What I think is really um, interesting about prophecy is if you look at the history of the Bible and if you look at the Old Testament, so you've got prophet after prophet after prophet who are leaders in Israel. They are the people who are proclaiming this is what God is saying. We need to all do this, otherwise we will die, right? That's sort of the nature of Old Testament prophecy. But when we look at New Testament prophecy and then even the years since then, it's like New Testament prophecy is a completely different thing. And even as prophets in the New Testament and beyond, it's a completely different approach. So no longer is it an anointing surrounding one person. It's a collective that we hear the Lord together through multiple people that are prophesying together. We see the last prophet, and from the last prophet until the time that Jesus stands up in the synagogue and reads from Isaiah, you know, the scripture, was like 400 years And in that time, what I think God was doing was really putting to rest the Old Testament idea of the prophetic and then getting ready to birth an entirely new way the prophetic was going to look in the future. And so he wanted there to be so many generations that nobody had a clue what, what it was. If you think about it, America has not even been a country for 300 years right? So we're talking about a really long time. Like it's hard for us to connect to what it must have been like to live in the revolutionary days or even in the civil war days. And that was not that long ago if you want to count centuries, right? So 400 years goes by and then Jesus stands up and he's supposed to read from the uh, specific reading in the Torah and he goes off book because the Holy Spirit speaks to him to read from a different scripture. And so when he does that, the people in the room completely marvel because they're hearing the revelatory voice of God for the first time in 400 years, right? They have an emotional response to what it feels like. You guys probably know what that feels like when somebody speaks something and it's like God speaking to you and you're struck at this level where you're going, how can that be? right? And this was the first time in centuries that this happens. And this is what I think is so interesting about New Testament prophetic culture is that God was really putting to bed, thus saith the Lord, and bringing about, here's what God is doing, and the Holy Spirit wants to use all of us, right? The gift of prophecy is one of those giftings that we are all encouraged and told that we can do. That doesn't really apply to like the gift of faith or the gift of discernment or, you know, other gifts on the list. But the gift of prophecy is one that we can all use like that. Why? Because prophecy is hearing God. And so John 10 tells us that his sheep hear his voice, right? So if we are a sheep of God, meaning if you're saved, then you are hardwired. Actually, even if you're not saved, you're hardwired by God to hear his voice, right? When you come into the kingdom, now you get to hear his voice and he gets to speak to you not only about you, but also to other people, which is, again, the gift of prophecy. So when we prophesy, we are encouraging other people and we're building them up, right? Paul tells us that prophecy is for edification, What I think is really interesting is we can hear the Lord about things that are not edifying, but we're kind of instructed to prophesy from a place of edification, right? And so we're going to talk about that in a minute. What do you do with the words that you hear that are certainly not edifying? (laughs) And I do think some of this is some of the nuance between whether it's a prophet receiving the word or whether it's someone receiving uh, the gift of prophecy and what we do with it, which really matters, which we'll cover in a second. All right, so it's for encouragement, it's for building people up, and again, it's just basically hearing God for someone else. So what I want to do is spend a little bit of time talking about the ways that we hear God. 
So for some of you guys, this is going to be like nothing new. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is a list that I feel like we all have the ability to um, experience. So there's a bunch of us on this list. The first one is this. We hear God when we encourage other people. Did you know that like encouragement is prophecy? <laughs> We're supposed to prophesy to be an encouragement, and encouragement can also be prophetic, right? So when you're saying to someone, wow, you have a really beautiful smile, you could be prophesying to them. You could be speaking something into their heart that they didn't even realize, that, I mean, that you didn't even realize was God. So when we hear encouragements, that's one of the ways we hear God. <clears throat> the second category is we actually hear the Lord. Um, there's a, a way to hear the Lord where we feel or discern from like a gut level what he's saying. So a lot of times this looks like walking into an atmosphere and all of a sudden you just feel what's going on in the room. Now I know not everybody is like this, but some people are. And so it bears mentioning. I remember for me, I was at a hotel in Dallas and um, this is one of the things that happens to me more regularly in terms of feeling. But I was walking out of the hotel room and I was struck with this deep insecurity. And I'm not really a very insecure person. And I started like, oh my gosh, my outfit's terrible. Just like cutting myself down, right? Out of nowhere. And I thought to myself, Lord, I don't think I knew I was this mad at myself, right? Like this is out of nowhere. And the Lord said to me, you're not. And I was like, what? And I realized in the atmosphere of the hotel, there was so many people who were insecure that I was like feeling this awareness of what was going on in the room. So discerning or feeling is one of the ways that we actually can hear what God is doing. I don't recommend that as like a prayer, Lord, let me feel what's in the room because it can be really intense if you have this anointing on your life, um, but it is a thing. Another one is a, a knowing. It's like, it's like a fact, you know, like we all know gravity is real. In the way that that feels in your mind, God speaks to you in that way too. All of a sudden you just know this is real. One, I have two stories to illustrate this for you. The first one is several years ago, um, we were still meeting in our house actually with the church. I just had this awareness all of a sudden, the next people that come to the church is gonna be this family and they're gonna be really instrumental. And I said this to Grant, he's like, how do you know that? And I was like, I really don't know how I know that. It's just there in me all of a sudden. It wasn't before and now it is. And a few days later was our um, prayer time and this family who we'd never met walks in the front door. They were a friend of someone else. They have two little kids. She's pregnant with their third kid and they were like a huge family of support and help for the first couple of years of our church. It's like unknowing. It's, uh, it's really interesting. Another word, like we can, this is also like a word of knowledge, right? So a word of knowledge, which we talk extensively about, can either be for physical healing or it can be in the prophetic. So with the prophetic, you can have a word of knowledge where you just know, oh my gosh, this has gone on in your life. This goes back to what do we do with those words, right? How do we, how do we make sure they're edifying? But you have this like knowing sense from the Lord. And then of course with, with healing, which we're going to get into extensively at our next equipping class in a few weeks, um, the word of knowledge can come like by actually feeling the pain or hearing the Lord or knowing like that. And it's God speaking. It's God saying, I want to do something about this. Um, all right. Another way that we hear God is we actually see what God is doing. So in the Old Testament, there were seers and there were prophets. And they were both prophetic. They were both um, hearing the Lord, but the way they received the word gave them the distinction. So in the Old Testament, when, the, when you were called a seer, when you received the word of the Lord, it's because you were actually seeing something or sensing something on a, on a, um, a different level, right? A separate level than those who were prophets. And the prophets were having the word spring up from inside of them. This still happens today, but there's, uh, I forgot to look it up, but there's a really obscure verse in the Old Testament that says, from this point forward, prophets and seers will be called prophets. So we've kind of lost what a seer actually is, but there are loads of us in the world who we actually hear the Lord by seeing what God is doing. It's sort of like reading the word of the Lord out of the room as opposed to the word of the Lord like springing up inside of you, if you've ever seen the difference of that. I'm not talking about reading the room like reading body language, reading that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you see something in the spiritual atmosphere. So an example of this would be uh, years ago we took our, some youth to a youth camp in Texas and um, 
we were having a profound time in the Lord. We were actually experiencing like a, a mini revival in our youth at the time. People were getting activated in their giftings. Kids were healing other kids at school. It was just a really, really exciting season. And so we were at this camp and I was worshiping and the worship was just really awesome. And I looked up with my eyes open and I saw a really large angel come to the front of the stage with a big flag on a pole that was like blue, like royal blue. And it was waving the flag over the crowd like this. And so I said to the Lord, what is that? <laughs> It's a really profound question. And, uh, and I said, and why is it blue? And the Lord said to me, this, there's a healing anointing here tonight, and I want to do physical healing in the room. And so I said, okay, what do you want me to do about that? And he said, I want you to go and tell the person who was running the service, this is what you saw. I said, okay. So, and that person who was running the service was a spiritual father of mine. So I went to him and I said, hey, here's what I saw. Uh, you know, whatever you want to do with it, my job is done. You know, all I have to do is tell you. And, uh, and so he said, it's interesting you say that because someone came up to me about five minutes ago and said they felt like the Lord had told them there was an anointing for healing tonight. They had not seen an angel or anything like that. They just felt it. They like had like a knowing in their soul. And he said, so that's really confirming. I said, okay, great. So I went back to the back of the room and they, uh, with the other pastors, talked about it. And a few minutes later, one of the guys gets up on stage and he, he gives this word. There's uh, an anointing for healing tonight. If you have something wrong with your body, come forward. That night, I believe it was like 25 students were healed. At least two were healed of asthma. One was on crutches that was healed that left the crutches, like didn't need them anymore. He'd had an injury at the beginning of the camp and was like couldn't walk and walked out of the night, right? It was pretty spectacular because we were able to read what God was doing and then that became a way to hear the Lord. Does that make sense? All right, we're getting deep in here. Hope that's okay with you. Um, all right, another way we hear from the Lord. You guys are doing this all the time. You just might not know. We hear the Lord through our thoughts. It feels like your thoughts, right? We were at a prayer night uh, a few weeks ago, and there was a person there who I'd never met before, and uh, she said, I, I need some prayer. And so we're praying for her, and the thought crosses my mind um, that she had had a betrayal in her life. And I'm like, okay, Lord, how am I going to, what do you want me to do about that? Because it's not like you're going to be like, did you get betrayed? You know, it's not the way to give that type of a word. And, um, and so I said to her, hey, I, I submitted it to her because I'm like, I could be wrong. So I said, hey, I, I feel like maybe there was something really traumatic that happened in your life recently, like maybe a betrayal or something that, you know, like a big, a big deal. And I said, does that, does that make sense to you? And she's like, yeah. And we were able to pray for her. And she was able actually like to really get some real inner healing from that. It felt to me like, do you want to have pizza for dinner? She's had a betrayal in her life. It was like the same. Do you know what I'm saying? I think sometimes we think, oh, God speaks to our thoughts, and we think it's going to come with like a mini firework or some, like a jolt of like we got tased or something like that, but it doesn't work like that. It's just a stream of thoughts. Like I need to put gas in my car. Man, this, I'm driving a trash can right now. I think the Lord tells me that person, right? It's just like boom, boom, boom. Grant, you know. Grant can't handle being in the family car, except if he's in the driver's seat. That's always the cleanest one, so. Anyways, bless God, my four children. Help me, Lord. Um, but that's what it's like, right? It's just, it feels so much like our normal thoughts. Mark Batterson wrote this book. It's called Whisper. Full disclosure, I haven't read it, but I did read this section, okay? And um, I heard great things about this book, and I read his other one, Drawing the Circle Maker. But uh, in this book, he makes the comment that God is always speaking. And when we feel like we can't hear God, it's not a question of, is the Lord speaking? It's a question of, are we actually listening? It's like, whoa. And he's like, God is speaking, but we don't often quiet our heart enough to lean into it. So you are having God speak to your thoughts all the time. It's just a matter of, are we paying attention? Are we slowing down enough to recognize, is this actually a thought from the Lord? I'm still in that process as well. Okay, this is a crazy story. Another way that we hear the Lord is actually through audible sound. Like you actually can hear things happening. I think this is pretty rare, but it is a thing. I've heard people talk about like hearing the audible voice of God um, at different times, right? You've heard stories like that. We were in our kitchen. One of our best friends was at our house. We were making dinner. We were all going to watch TV together that night. And so Grant's like, we had a kitchen that overlooked the living room. They were maybe 15 feet apart, maybe with like a cutout. So it was all one room. Grant's over at the TV. He's like digging through the cable box, trying to set it up for whatever we were going to watch. And my friend and I are at our island and we're making dinner. And all of a sudden, we hear this, like, so loud, and there's, like, wind on, our, on my face from this, like, burst of sound in the room. And I thought I died for, like, a split second, right? And I'm, like, bug-eyed, and I lock eyes with my friend, and he's, like, 
bug-eyed. And I'm like, did you hear that? Because I could see on his face he was really stunned. And he was like, did you hear that? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, Grant, did you hear that? He goes, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, I didn't hear anything. And he's 10 feet away. And this was so loud. And so I am so perplexed. And I'm going, what in the world? And I knew it was the sound of a shofar because I'd heard a shofar at some really special opportunities in my life. And um, a shofar... One of which was this conference that we were at. And this, this whole tangent story was so great. And one of our friends, he was like tasked with blowing the shofar. And he didn't practice, but he was like, I've got this. And he couldn't do it. And it was like, there was like a thousand something people in this conference. And it was like, anyways, never forget. Never forget that moment. But um, I knew what a shofar sounded like. And I knew that a shofar in the Bible had really specific implications, right? A shofar in the Bible indicates a change in seasons or also was like one of the ways that they told the Israelites to go into battle like it's time. And so I'm sitting there and my mind is like reeling a million miles per hour. Like that just happened. There was no refuting it. Like I have a witness here, you know, otherwise I'd probably go check myself in for like a a little evaluation because I'm like, what just happened, right? And I was like, I need to talk to the Lord. And I'm going, God, what was that about? And the Lord said to me, it's, you heard a shofar, and I want to talk to you about why you heard it. And he began to share with me a word for our college ministry at our church, which we were not a part of. The college ministry was, operate, was uh, having their service that night. And so the Lord says to me, um, I want to bring a shift in their ministry. I want to open up something for them, and I want you to go and give this word. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, okay. So thankfully, the college pastor was a good friend of ours, so we give him a call. And I'm like, let me tell you what just happened in my kitchen, Okay. And so I described it to him, and I said, I'm just going to give you this word, whatever you want to do with it. He said, why don't you come and share this with the group tonight? So I'm like, all right. So we go there, and in the middle of worship, or towards the end of worship, I get up, and I share this word. And I share with them about, you know, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something God is doing where tonight is a night where you'll never be the same. Like, there's something marked in this. Well, unbeknownst to me, the, our senior pastor was the speaker that night, and he was talking about a culture of honor and what it looks like to really value people as sons and daughters of God. And so at the end, they had a little bit of ministry time, which ran for an hour and a half while all of these college students began to affirm each other, speak life into each other, call out what they saw about God and each other, and they never, nobody left for an hour and a half just to be together And it was like the ministry was like this, and all of a sudden the ministry was like this, and they launched into a whole new season, which is crazy, right? So you can hear God. You can hear the Lord speak to you through sounds. Uh, Anyways, moving on. Um, Okay, another couple of things I want to mention. Words of wisdom. So you can hear the Lord in wisdom, right? When you hear the Lord with a word of wisdom, it's actually like typically actionable, it's a little bit different than something abstract, but it's the wis- when it's the wisdom of the Lord, there's usually something you can grab hold of right then that's practical. Um, the next one is you can hear the Lord speak to you about future events, which I think we all understand that. And then the last one is this. You can hear the Lord speaking to you through testimonies. So Revelations tells us we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony, right? And so when you hear a testimony, it is actually the Lord prophesying to you. It can be. And so if you hear a testimony of a healing and you're like, I need a healing, you can receive that testimony as a prophetic word of what the Lord wants to bring you into. If you're hearing my testimony of hearing a shofar and you're like, wow, I want to hear a shofar, then you can grab that and take that as a prophetic word. That's actually like there's license for that in the kingdom of God. He creates it that way. Testimony is so important. This is why when we don't share our testimony, we're actually robbing other people of the opportunity to encounter something in themselves for, for themselves as well. We're not sharing our testimony at times to be boastful or to make, you know, puff ourselves up or anything like that. We're sharing it, A, to give God the glory, and B, to open up doors for people of what they can walk into as well, right? So when you hear a testimony, it just could be God prophesying to you. And when you give a testimony, it could also be you prophesying to other people. So um, I've I've said this in two of these stories, but I want to make sure you catch. We need to get really good at asking God, what is he saying? And what do I do about this? So every time you get a prophetic word, those are the questions that you ask. I I forgot to say the Lord speaks through symbolism a lot, right? Through pictures. um, Like a picture would be 
a picture. A vision would be something that plays out, but you're absolutely aware of yourself, right? If you've ever had like, like you're in the room and you're, you know you're here and you're also like this little mini movie is playing, that's a vision. When people talk about open visions, open visions are the thing where you lose, con- like you, you lose the awareness of yourself, right? So you're still here, but you're so engrossed in what's happening that you kind of forget you're here. That's like an open vision. And then a trance, if you want, if for whatever it's worth, now that we're going down that rabbit hole, a trance is kind of like when you're driving and you all of a sudden were like two miles down the road and you don't know how you got there. That's what a trance is like. It's like a time lapse and the Lord will speak to you in that. And there's like a, a loss of awareness and there's like a loss of time as well, typically. Um, Okay, so we need to get good at asking the Lord, what are you saying? So when you hear something, when you see something, when you feel something, what are you saying? And then the biggest question, what do I do about it? A lot of times the Lord will tell you, I just want you to know. I just want you to pray. I heard somebody tell me one time that the the real indicator of how many friends God has is how many secrets they have with the Lord. I was like, ooh, that's good, right? Because when, I, when we're friends, I want you to keep my secrets. I know you probably won't, but I want you to. <laughs> and it's like that with the Lord. He wants to have people. He doesn't do anything without talking to his prophets about it. This is what the word says, right? There's nothing that happens on the earth that he hasn't talked to somebody about, which is pretty crazy. So when we hear the Lord, we have to get really disciplined at what do I do with that? If we're hearing a prophetic word for someone else, got to get really good at, am I supposed to give this to them? When do I give this and how do I give this? Next week, we're actually going to talk a ton about how the prophetic works in a community setting and all that kind of stuff. So I don't want to get into that this week. Um, All right. We're going to take another two-minute break, brain break. Talk to somebody next to you. Let them know what's standing out to you. And then we're going to tackle our last subject before our Q&A. We got one more section of information I want to share um, tonight before we do a little bit of an activation. And uh, so... I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the ways that we actually can taint what we hear from the Lord. And I'm going to give you four practical categories of things that can happen that cause us to miss what God is saying. I think it's really important for everybody to hear me say, you will not be accurate 100% of the time. And God does not want you accurate 100% of the time. Because if you were, then you would actually not be biblical, right? Because we all prophesy in whole? No, in part. None of us have the whole picture of anything that we're hearing from the Lord. This goes back to when Jesus dispersed himself. He did that intentionally. He wants us to need other people in our lives, right? So my hope for you is that you are really accurate in the words that you hear. But I know for a fact there will be words that you get wrong. And so I want to talk a little bit tonight about one of the ways that actually happens and then a little bit about what we can do about it. Um, The thing that we have to understand is that the Lord is always speaking something and his word is always pure, but he's speaking it into a vessel that is not 100% pure, right? We are sanctified. We are now in a new covenant. Like we are so much better than we were before, but we're also still being sanctified. And so we have to remember, yes, we should be hungering and going after hearing the Lord more, but we got to give ourselves grace that we're going to miss it at times. And because you're going to miss it, that can't be a disqualifier to you right? We can't step up to the plate being like, is this the time I'm going to miss it? But at the same time, we can't step up to the plate 100% sure that we are going to get it right. There's like a middle ground in there that's your sweet spot. Do you know what I'm saying? All right, so I've got four categories for you, and these are a little bit uh, difficult to process, um, but it's, it's worth it. So tonight really is all about you and your ability to hear the Lord. Next week is all about uh, our collective ability. So the first thing that really taints our ability to hear the Lord is our fears, our fears. I'm going to tell you a really embarrassing and hilarious story about me that's also really sad. So it's one of those kind of moments. Uh, some of you guys have heard this story before, but when I was pregnant with my first child, uh, a friend of mine gave me this book called Supernatural Childbirth. And uh, you guys know where the story is going already. I'm already telegraphing it for you. I did not have a supernatural childbirth. But when I was reading this story, it was a, it was a testimony of this woman who um, could not have kids, which was not my situation. And so she couldn't have kids, and the Lord gave her four babies, and each of them were nine and ten pound babies that she delivered with zero pain, which who would not read that book and be like, hallelujah, the word of the Lord and, you know, the, the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony, yes and amen. 
So I'm reading this and I'm like, I actually, my friend gave it to me and said, the prayers in here, you're going to love them. That was why she gave it to me. Not like this is a, a prophetic word for you, but I was 23 and convinced that I could escape all pain in my life at this point. And um, side note, I was deathly afraid of needles and I don't do pain, okay? Uh, I have had a lot of pain in my life and pretty confident I could avoid that forever. So that's the backstory. So I'm reading this book and I'm like, is this what you want from me, God? And I'm hearing a resounding Yes, my child, right? And I'm asking the Lord for like three weeks. Lord, am I supposed to have like a supernatural childbirth every time? Yes, you are. Lord, am I supposed? Yes, you are. And I'm like, okay. So I'm telling Grant, you know, I think I'm supposed to have it. And he's like, well, I'll support you in, in whatever, which was his only major failure in our relationship because <laughs> he should have discerned from the Lord. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and so I showed up. I was induced. Eli was 10 days late. I showed up to the hospital and it was painful. It was not painless. And when it was all over, I was like really unsure about how to talk to the Lord because I'm like, you wronged me, God. I asked you so many times and every time you said yes. And this was like, I felt like I got run over by a train and then stuck on the back and like dragged for three miles, you know? And I'm like, what gives? And I, I had a little bit of postpartum depression plus, you know, afterbirth hormones plus disappointment. So I was a wreck, okay? So like three months go by and I'm not spending time with the Lord. I'm not interested in spending time with the Lord. I'm trying to figure out how can I appear like a good Christian and never talk to God again, right? These are the back thoughts in my mind. And Grant looks at me one day and he's like, enough is enough. You're going to spend time with the Lord. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, no, you're going. At like 3 p.m., I will be here. You're going to spend time with the Lord. I'm like, okay. So I drive out to this park, and I'm sitting with God. And I, I just began to pour out my heart to him and be like, Lord, I, I don't know what to do, right? I feel like you hurt me. And, I mean, you did hurt me. I don't know how to make sense of this. So I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm quieting my heart and listening to him. And this is what he says to me. I don't usually share this part of the story because it's really embarrassing as well. But here's what he said. He said, Rachel, your fear was so strong you could not hear what I really was saying. And I was like, but Lord, fear cannot, you're not fear, right? This sounded to me exactly like your voice. He was like, yes, fear masks what you want. And I was like, so this is my fault. <laughs> but it was a really humbling moment. And what I realized and what I've just discovered in 11 years since then, how true that statement is. When we are really afraid of something specific, we will hear God confirm to us all day long that that's not what we're supposed to do, right? And so we have to get really good at acknowledging our fears so that we can set them to the side and really hear the Lord. It's not like we have to be completely fearless to hear God well, but if we're unaware of the fear that's in us, then when we approach the Lord, it can mask what God is actually saying. Okay, a little sobering, but it's true. Um, another one that we go through that happens is our wounding, okay? So fear is a little bit different than wounding because fear is our uncertainty of what's going to happen in the future. Fear is like in my situation, I didn't know that I could trust the Lord to take care of me regardless of what happened. And so I didn't want to ask that question right? Because it's kind of like that subtle thing where it's a passive aggressive stance with God, where the Bible tells us to boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. But if we're not sure what he's going to say, then we don't boldly approach. We just sort of fester in our like subconscious. You know what I'm saying? So like, I didn't know if he would be with me. So I didn't even ask because what if the 0.0001% chance that he said so he wasn't going to be with me? Do you know what I mean? What if we, we have that like, but what if my deepest suspicions are actually true? So I don't want to ask the question, so I never do. And it lives in the background of our lives, but it actually taints our ability to hear God. So our fears and our wounding is actually different. Our wounding are our experiences that really hurt us, our emotional damage, our, our emotional baggage, right? And when we have that, it's really hard to hear from the Lord accurately because we can't we can't imagine someone else going through something similar, so we won't even touch some of those kinds of words. And then in the same way, if we haven't received healing in a certain area, then we don't know how to prophesy that God can heal in that, right? So our wounding actually becomes sort of like a filter where God might be speaking something plain as day, but we're looking at it with like, you know, a cookie cutter that's only seeing one part of it. The third category is our experiences, which this definitely uh, goes together with that. Oh, shoot. I don't remember how to spell this word. Experiences. Thank you, Michelle. Saving me. Did I do that right? 
It's close enough. We'll call it protein and call it a day. Um, all right, so our experiences taint our ability to hear from the Lord. This is another great baby-related story years later. So two summers ago, I was speaking at this youth camp, and I was, like, in the wing waiting to go up on the stage. They were, like, introduce, you know, like starting the introduction process to introduce me. And this person who I know came up to me and said, um, hey, I, ha- I have a word from the Lord for you. Can I share it with you? And I'm going, okay, can you be brief, you know, because there's like a 30-second window here. And she said, the Lord told me you're going to have another baby. And I was like, oh, no, that's not what God said. Because I have four kids. God has been very clear to me. Grace is our bookend. There are no babies coming after her, to my knowledge. Could I be wrong? Maybe. But that's my understanding, right? She knows nothing of my story. She knows nothing of the difficulties and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going, "Uh, no, I think you missed that, right? And I'm trying to be gracious, trying to, like, keep a smile on my face without being like, you totally missed it. Like, walk away. I'm, like, about to get up here and talk about hearing God's voice. Great example right now. And, um, but I was super gracious and not snarky at all. And she said to me, no, Rachel, I'm telling you. She was like, how old is your baby? I'm like, at that point, she's one. She was like, yeah, you need to get ready. You're having another kid. And I was like, I'm not, but thank you. And she was like, no, you need to really go back and pray about it. So here, I shut that out, go and preach this message. For like three weeks, that runs in the back of my mind. Why? Because her confidence disrupted what I knew to be true from the Lord, right? Here's what I found out way later. She had given a word to someone that they were going to have a baby, and they did. They were about to be pregnant, or they were pregnant. I can't remember, something like in the meantime. And so it was like true to her. So then I found out that she had given that same word to like four more people, and it wasn't true for any of them. It was only true for the first one. Our experiences can actually taint what we hear from the Lord. If we're in a rhythm where we're seeing like backs healed left and right, and we're like, do you have something wrong with your back? And somebody's like, no. And you're going, well, surely you do, right? Because my experience says everybody does or whatever. Do you see what I'm saying? So our our experiences, our childhood experiences, our ministry experiences, they all have the ability to taint what God wants to say. This one goes into the next one. Um, But our theology is the last category I want to talk about. Um, Theology. Our theology is one of the ways that we taint what God is saying because if we don't believe God will do something, then we can't even hear a prophetic word about that right? Here's a great example. If we don't believe that women can be pastors, then we don't know how to deal with a prophetic word to someone about a leadership gifting on a woman. And so you taint it. You put it in the context of what makes sense to you, because in your mind, it would never be that. Do you guys see what I'm saying? We could use this in so many different, uh, in different, you know, expressions of theology and all that kind of stuff. So here's what I want to show you. So we've got these experiences, right? And the Lord is saying something, and this is the best example that I can share with you. It's like all of these experiences become like this to us, right? The word of the Lord is back here. We can see it, but the way we see it is affected by each of these categories in our lives. So if we have woundings in our hearts, we have to do the work. Stay right there. It's wanting to come at us. We have to do the work of getting the healing that we need so that we can level up in our ability to hear the Lord for other people. It goes for each and every one of these. You guys know what I'm saying? So if I was going to say, like going back to my supernatural childbirth experience, okay? So here's what the Lord is saying. He's telling me, trust me. He's telling me, uh, don't be afraid. And he's saying a big fat no you're not going to have a supernatural childbirth. No, don't believe that, right? And I'm over here in my filter of fear, and I'm like, that looks like yes to me, Lord. Is that a yes? Do you guys see that? as You know what I'm saying? And we do this inside, and we're like, it's a yes. It's got to be a yes. So when you're having a hard time hearing what God is telling you, check these categories. Check and see, is there something you're really afraid of? Because that could be the reason why the word of the Lord is not breaking through to you. It's not because he doesn't want to speak. He is speaking. But there's usually something going on in there that's hindering it. Does that make sense? All right. Brain break time. And then uh, we're going to take a few questions and then we're going to do an activation. So you got two minutes. Share something with the person next to you that's standing out to you about some of the filters that we experience. I'm glad you guys are sharing with each other and having thoughts sparked in you. 
So here's what I want to do. I want to take about 10 or 15 minutes and take some time for any questions that you guys have, questions related to what I've talked about tonight or unrelated but surrounding the topic of prophecy, um, because I want to make sure that we are helping you specifically in your journey. So you can just shout it out. If you've got a question, if you feel diplomatic, you can raise your hand. Otherwise, you can just blurt it out. And uh, we're going to take a few minutes for that. So if prophecy is hearing God for someone else, what, it, what do you call it when you hear it for yourself? Um, I think I would just call it you're hearing God talk to you. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you can say the Lord spoke prophetically to me. You know, I think when people say that, they're probably typically talking about something in the future. But it's our place as sons and daughters to talk to God every day, right, regularly. So, you know, call it whatever you would talk to your... Mm-hmm. And it was a test for me. I said, Lord, I think this, I'm hearing you off this, this is right, this is, I'm hearing, I'm going to write it down. Yeah. And then I'm going to come back, and if I'm right, I know that this is part of how you communicate with me. And if I'm wrong, then I miss it. Yeah. Yeah, I would call that like the Lord gave me a prophetic word. That's how I would describe it. I mean, if it was me, that's the way I usually say that kind of stuff. Yeah. What else? No silly questions. That wasn't silly, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the prophecy is not infallible. Yes. I think you do have to hear God for yourself and you have to recognize even when you hear God for yourself you're still only hearing part of the time, you know. For me, what was so instrumental about that particular situation and the subsequent ones after it is what is I realized I would blame God for things that I thought he said that didn't come true, and I had to then make an allowance in my heart that maybe I was the one who missed it, which is even that much more painful, but it's good to be able to say, it's actually not your fault, Lord. It's probably me. And even if I knew a thousand percent, I sold my house, I'm, you know, I was like so sure, even then sometimes we get it wrong. And sometimes there's other factors, but all right, Chad, let's hear it. It does. It does happen. Yeah. Words of warning happen all the time. Yeah. But I think it's how we interpret them that's really important. Because when we receive a word of warning, we cannot allow ourselves to think that God is done with us. Do you know what I mean? There's like, there's a sweet spot where when the Lord, I mean, he's giving so many warnings over America right now over the last like five, six years. So it does still happen. Yeah. But if we're talking about how do we give each other prophetic words, then if you're going to give somebody a word of warning, there's like a whole different protocol of how you walk through that. But it's definitely, I mean, I think a lot of Paul's letters were actually words of warning. They were prophetic words of get your act together in this way. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, that may happen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> yeah, Joy. Yeah, there are, absolutely there are, yes. I think it's important to remember that they are. My, my like hesitation with even talking about the category in this context is that a lot of times doom and gloom prophecy is coming from a perspective that God is so mad at us that he's just waiting to pour out his frustration, which is not a biblical perspective of God, which isn't what you're saying. But yeah, but there is that out there too. It's like, there's a lot of prophetic words in that way. I thought I was going to share this story earlier, but there was, uh, I think Justin Allen actually shared this story. This happened several years ago. There was a woman in a Latin American country who the Lord told her there's going to come an earthquake to the nation on this particular night. And he's, and she, she was instructed to go and tell all the churches in the city, tell all the government officials they needed to sleep outside that night because the Lord had told her, I am not sending the earthquake. It's not from me. It's just going to happen. There's nothing, you can't pray it away. It's just going to happen. And uh, so she told everybody, it was like a year earlier, something like that. She told everybody the earthquake happened on that specific night. Everybody that slept outside was unharmed. And there was a bunch of people that did that responded to that word. And I love that because to me, that's the word of warning that the Lord gives. Like it's always filled with hope that there is restoration on the other side. Yeah. What else? What other questions do you guys have? Yeah. Well, and what would it look like? Those poor guys. Like, what if they had people who stayed with God? What kind of prophetic words could they have given if the people were not so rebellious? Do you know what I mean? Those poor guys. I think God's taking care of them now, so it's fine. Yeah, right. Okay, so, when I have a kind of digression, I sit around this. People, like, how do you know when it's Yeah. Yeah. I think it it, be, it begins with discerning what's from God. And then so trust with God is something that's built, right? So trust is earned, but like love is like instantaneous. You know what I mean? So with God, we do build trust where we're like, okay, that was that you? Let me check this out. Oh, it was you. Now I'm a little bit more willing to go all in. And I think the Lord like wants us to embrace that process. So I think it starts with just like asking the Lord, give me discernment for what's you and then like give me confirmation. So like the angel thing that happened to you, that's the Lord speaking to you. Yeah, she was listening to a podcast about angels like how, and then like this car drove in front of her that had this huge decal that said angels on it that was like confirming what she was hearing that she was like, is this from the Lord? And it was like, yes, this is from God, clear as day, you know? So I think it's happening. It's just a matter of you catching, you know, oh, okay, this is God. And then you have to wrap your mind around that and go, okay, this feels like, Ashley and I always joke, Sean Bowles has this teaching where he's like, and then when you get it right, you tell yourself, okay, this feels good, this feels good. Or when you get it wrong, you're like, okay, this feels bad. You know, so we always joke, like when we miss it, we're like, this feels bad. This is what bad feels like. This is what, you know, I thought I had it and I was totally wrong. I was good because I really yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that was God. Yeah, so you're hearing from him. So what else? Anybody else? Yeah. That we're killed on the spot? Right. That is a really good question. I've heard different people talk about it in different ways. Um, I think there was such an intense presence of the Lord. Like when God is building something from scratch, he attends to it in a whole different manner than when it's already established. And I, I think that was part of why he was so severe with that, was it was really important that the church got off the ground, that it became what he was building it to be. Um, but I, I don't know, that might be on the top list of questions like, Give me the true lowdown, you know, because that sure puts the fear of the Lord in you when you're like, oh, don't, don't lie. Or you'll be lying in the ground. Sorry, I couldn't resist. All right, any last questions? And I want to do one more thing. Yeah. 
category of things. Yes and yes. Yeah. So like 1 Corinthians is not, you know, 1 Corinthians is not the be-all, end-all list of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. In fact, the first person who was ever listed as being filled with the Holy Spirit was one of the people who were working on the temple of God. They were a craftsman person. And then in the New Testament, craftsman is certainly not listed on the list of nine. But it's obviously a gift of the Holy Spirit because this guy is the first one, you know. So there's like a category of those giftings that are considered the prophetic giftings, which would be word of knowledge, discernment, word of wisdom, prophecy, those categories. So it's yes, and the way that you discern is often very much how you hear from the Lord, um, but there's like a little bit of a different element to it as well in terms of like the, the spiritual warfare component that's, that doesn't necessarily apply to the gift of prophecy. My experience has said we usually have a whole bunch of them working in us at the same time. So, you know, if you are prophetic at all, you probably have prophetic word of knowledge, word of wisdom. You probably have a gift of faith. You probably have almost all of them. In, in my personal conviction, when Paul tells eagerly desire all of them, that's my plan. So, you know, so I'm like, I might not be, I might not have the big measure of all of them, but I want at least a little scoop of like everything that's listed in the Bible. So, and they do play off each other because it's God, you know, it's how he's working. So, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. If we start getting into the nitty gritty of where this applies, it becomes like a, the beautiful mind movie, you know, where you're like, what is happening? Because it's when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes like in so many different ways all at once. It's like electricity or lightning where it's so many branches. It's all him. There's a name for everything. But at the end of the day, does the name even matter? Probably not. So. All right, so here's what I want to do. Uh, we got 10 minutes-ish left, and I'm, I'm here, so if you guys have other questions, um, I'm totally available to ask them. But I, when I was praying about this class for the last couple of weeks, I felt like what the Lord was saying was he wanted to um, take us into another level of our ability to hear from the Lord. So I want to just pray uh, like an impartation-type prayer, not saying that I'm hearing God more than you. I'm just being obedient to what the Lord told me to pray. So I'm also hoping to receive in this prayer as well. Um, and then what I want us to do is don't, I want us to take a minute and ask the Lord for a prophetic word for someone else. So I know some of you guys are like, uh, I, I need to go. Don't go yet, okay? <laughs> just try it. And if you miss it, you just tell yourself, well, this feels bad. That, that was not how it feels when you get it right. And then you know I got one wrong, so probably the next one's going to be accurate. So um, it's not a one for one, but you know what I mean. All right, so let's pray. What I want to do is, um, if you're comfortable, you can just stick your hands out like you're receiving something from the Lord, or you can put your hand on your heart or whatever, but really just kind of like putting yourself in a posture where you're expecting God to do something in you. Because what I know to be true is that if we're going to genuinely like do what God wants us to do on the earth, we have to be really good at hearing his voice, right? We have to be good for ourselves and also for other people. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst, and we thank you that you are always with us um, and, and ready to prophesy to us and through us. So right now, we ask that you would impart another level, another dimension of our ability to hear your voice, God. And also, Lord, we ask for an impartation of the gift of prophecy at work in our midst. Lord, I pray over each and every person in this room that they would begin to have an increase in what they've um, been aware of how your voice is, that there would be fresh revelation and fresh insight into uh, your voice in their life. And I also pray over each person in here, fresh discovery, Lord, that they would discover an aspect of your nature and your voice at work in their lives that they've never encountered before. So we just release this right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, prophetically, we just declare that each and every person in this room is here because they're hungry to know you. And so right now I come against every obstacle and every hindrance and every blockage in our ability to hear your voice. And I release a declaration over you that um, we are your children and we have a birthright to hear you just like we do our earthly fathers and just in, in that type of a back and forth conversation. So I release that over every person tonight in Jesus name. Amen. All right, so uh, Grant, do you, have your, do you have music on your phone? Is it near you? Will you turn on like a song? And here's what I want us to do is just 
close our eyes and just ask the Lord. Um, if you need to look around to like find someone, you can do that too. There's no real formula necessarily, but just ask the Lord, would you give me a word of encouragement for someone in this room? And if you get a thought, a picture, or a scripture, or anything like that, you don't have to understand it to give it, right? You can just give it, and it might make total sense to that person and uh, and and you didn't understand it. So right now we just ask Holy Spirit that you would put your gift of prophecy on display in this place.